The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome back one more time to Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio broadcast. My show, has, uh, as you know, has moved to 1 o'clock. And the reason we did that was to make room for a great addition to the Shepherd Network. That was done in July when we added the Ramsey Show. Dave Ramsey is now on our stations and has been since July 17th every day for that three-hour live show. And a person that has been on with him... In fact, I so enjoyed his segments when he was uh, hosting, co-hosting with Dave Ramsey was Dr. John Deloney, and he has written a book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, and Dr. Deloney is with me here today. Welcome, John. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hey, man, it is so great to have you on the line, and this book is uh, is really a helpful tool. I've had a chance to look through the book, and it is just wonderful. In the way that you relate uh, the truth, I believe, that the Bible would bring us about how that we need to be dealing with things in our lives. And and I, I know this is kind of a general statement that you would agree with, but our culture is not prepared or really even understands this whole issue of anxiety, do they? No, our our culture um, has kind of cut the threads on anything bigger than us, and we've gotten really uh, arrogant. And I say this as a as a nerd. I say this as a guy who worked in higher ed for twenty years, just and lived with scientists and some of the most brilliant minds. Um, we have solved so many problems that have plagued humanity forever. We we can turn a faucet on and water comes out, and we can push a button on a magic wand cell phone, and food just shows up at our front door. <laughs> How and, does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so um, and when we can be out of the country and talk to our spouse, fa- FaceTime, we can see their face, we can see our kids' little league games, and be two thousand miles away. So we've created a world that our bodies were not designed to live in. And it happened overnight. And so there was no gradual move. It just happened. And along that way, we've gotten very arrogant about, I think we saw a glimpse of this, just a tiny glimpse of this during COVID when there were fields of cars that we had built that couldn't run because it was missing a one inch by one inch chip, if not smaller, right? That's Uh, right. And so, so we've gotten very arrogant about our place in the world and our place in the universe. And We've begun to we cut threads on all the, the the stories that bound us together. We cut stories on belief of things bigger than us, and we can see that in plummeting church numbers and things like that. And all of a sudden, we have become the center of our own universe. And when that happens, you have to end up worshiping the only thing you have left, which is you. That's right. And if you worship you, the end of the day, you worship how you feel. And feelings were never designed to tell us the truth, they were designed to keep us alive. And so they over-sensationalize things, they over-scream um, at us, they over-make um, us nervous and scared, and we have just created a world where we have less and less discomfort, and discomfort has become the enemy. And so when you take something like anxiety, anxiety is our body's way of saying, hey, you're not safe right now. It's an alarm system. It's like a smoke detector in, in your kitchen. In a culture designed to make you never be uncomfortable, never hear something that you disagree with, never be with somebody who has different beliefs, and you never do anything that makes you uncomfortable. Whenever we feel anxiety, our culture tells us you need to shut that alarm system off immediately because it's uncomfortable, it's loud. And in so doing, if I go in my house and the smoke detector's ringing off the wall and I climb up and pull the batteries out, that's great. I've stopped the alarm, mm-hmm. and my house will burn down around me. And so this book is really a call back to, hey, I don't think people are broken. I think if your body is responding with anxiety, it's working exactly as it was designed to, and it's trying to keep you safe. Your job is not to shut that alarm off. Your job is to go do the hard work and figure out what your body's detecting in your environment that means you're not safe. 
You know, that illustration that you just gave about the smoke alarms in the house, that recently happened to Cindy and me. We were one night, and it always, doesn't it always happen in the middle of the night where this alarm goes, you know, the, the little beep? It's not just beeping. It's one of those things where it sets off every alarm in the house, and they're all triggered together because they're all wired together. And I had to take every one of the batteries out and flip the breaker that night and you're right, John, if I had not ever put new smoke alarms up, we still wouldn't hear those beeps going off, but we wouldn't be protected either. And that is exactly right. And God gave us these uh, the abilities to feel this anxiety. But as you have so correctly said, it, it in this culture, the, the pointer, instead of pointing to God to call out to God and say, God, what am I doing? Or where should I go? Or what should I do? We're looking instead, we're letting it point to ourselves and what do I need to keep this thing from going off? And that just ends badly every time, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think um, if you get a layer beneath what I'm saying, it gets really hard real fast. Yeah. Because our bodies aren't designed to have a nine-year-old soccer coach tell us what we're going to do for the next 14 years worth of weekends. And our bodies are not designed. Think about this: just something as simple as as, as my friendship, and um, you know, he's he's my I'm a co-host on his show, obviously, but and he's the CEO of my company, the company I work for. But just something as simple as the message Dave Ramsey's been preaching for years. Our bodies are not designed for a 30-year mortgage. This idea that if I say the wrong thing at work and I get fired, or I hit the wrong like button on Facebook and my company fires me. My home gets taken away from me because I didn't buy a house I could afford. I mortgaged my soul. I attached my I, – I took a chain and put it around my leg, and I connected it to a bank. And they get to decide what I do for the next 30 years of my life. And your frontal lobe, part of your brain will say, hey, you got a great deal. you got a good interest rate. But that part of your brain that's designed to scan your environment 24-7 will let you know – if you say one wrong thing, your house goes away. Mm-hmm. Your kids are homeless, right? And the same thing for your cars and the same thing for food. And so we're asking our body to do insane things, and then we get frustrated when we're anxious. We get frustrated when we pop open awake at 2 o'clock in the morning, night after night after night. Instead of thinking, hey, sleep is one of our primary functions. That is one thing our body is designed to do, period, end of sentence. Instead of saying, man, my body keeps snapping me awake, it must be detecting something. What do we do? We just go get some hypnotic medicine to override our system. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the hard challenge of who's running our life for us, who do we go to for help and support, this, this madness. Um, we're the loneliest generation in human history. And um, I, I've worked in trauma and crisis for years, and I stopped asking a long time ago, um, and I actually got this from somebody who had, had been to Haiti and back, and they were somebody was asking them their question about, how can you still have faith? How do you still believe in God and go see that horror? Um, and he said, oh, no, oh, I stopped asking, where's God a long time ago? Because God is. I've started asking, where's God's people, right? And we've created these insanely isolated lives, and we spend a lot of time on our, on our devices. We spend a lot of time with earphones plugged in our ears. And we're just missing the world around us, and our bodies are screaming at us, mm-hmm. we're not safe, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not safe. You know, I had a chance to go to Haiti myself a couple of times, and the first time was the longest time, and that was back in 1979, I'm thinking, is when I took the trip there. And I, you know, then, compared to now, it was a much safer place to visit, at least. But they had the monarch going on then. Papa Doc uh, had given way to Baby Doc, his son. And Jean-Claude de Valier was the, uh, was the dictator back then. And we walked through that area. Uh, I would say we felt very safe. But the conditions that we saw, it, it was like a third-world country compared to how close we are to the United States. And I think it, that serves as a metaphor for just this whole problem. I mean, it's much closer to us than we realize this mindset that is wrong. And it can be as close to us as, 
as Haiti is to America and be all the difference in the world in terms of the way things are done and the way things are run. But uh, this is something that people, I, I do believe, uh, they're, they're just not equipped for it in our, in our lives, and they've got to have a way. So what, I know your book addresses a lot of this. You have in your book the six daily choices, and chapter four begins with one of them called Choose Reality. Let's talk about that for a moment, the choice to go the way things are than the way we want them to be. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say this before we get into the six daily choices. Um, I think for most of us who are, live, who are just, if we're, if we're three minutes late to something, our whole day is over because we've stacked our calendars so tight. If we miss one, um, if that one extra tip doesn't come in or that one extra little $25 bonus doesn't come in, our whole domino of credit card bills and light bills and water bills falls over. So it sounds daunting to say, oh, I've got to do six more things. And here's how I want people to look at it. We've all agreed that you can't brush your teeth so great on Monday morning that you don't have to do it again till Thursday, mm-hmm. right? So we've all decided, like, hey, twice a day, we're just going to take a minute so that our teeth don't fall out of our head and we don't have bad breath. And similar, you know, once a week, we fill our cars up with gas, right? So we have these rhythms of these regular rhythms for life, and we've made some trades what I'm asking people to do is it can be as little as three minutes that you just scan through your day and ask yourself, where am I on this choice list? And what are some things I need to lean into today? Um, and so it's not daunting. There is some, at the, especially at the beginning, kind of like getting out of debt the first year or two, maybe really hard. But the goal here is to uh, kind of like when you're skiing and the boat takes off and that water's just blasting you in the face. Eventually you get on top of the water and it's smooth and beautiful. And then you're along for the ride. So this choose reality here, we live in a culture designed for one thing. They call it the attention economy. I like to call hmm. it the distraction economy. It's designed to get you to look over here, look over here, look over here. And the moment you feel something uncomfortable, drink this, smoke this, even get this. Netflix has even taken away the remote for us. If we just sit there for 10 seconds, it will, it will start the next show and it knows us better than we know ourselves, and it will say, hey, here's the next show you want to watch. <laughs> and it just starts it for us, right? It does um, it, yep. We don't even have to show up. You and I both remember you had to be there at 9 o'clock on Thursday night to catch Seinfeld, or you missed it. Now all of the seasons of these shows are dropped in one moment, so you can watch them all at the same time. and go. So we have, a, we have an entire ecosystem designed to distract us. Hmm. And you cannot build a foundation of mental and emotional and relational health on top of distraction. So if you're going to be well, if you're going to run a marathon, you have to know where the starting line is. And so you have to, on a regular basis, choose reality. What does that mean? How overweight are you? What is the status of your marriage seriously when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to hard conversations? Are you all great co-managers of your house? Are you sitting on a couch four inches away from each other but 4,000 miles away because she's on her iPad and you're on, her, on your phone, right? So when your kids walk in, do they shut the door of the front door and go straight to the room and shut the door because they have no relationship with you and you, they've learned from you that you don't have any interest in them, right? So what is the status? On Monday mornings when you are pulling into your office, does your heart start beating too fast because your body is preparing for war? Or when you pull into your driveway in the evening, do you sit down and check your email again, even though you just left the office 20 minutes? Like, where are you? What does your spiritual yeah, life look right. like? Right. And that is choosing reality. And that is a, if we can make a regular practice of here's where we are, then these other steps, you begin to do these things way upstream, if you will, instead of waiting until I just explode and there is remnants of my marriage all over my kitchen wall. I can say, like my wife texted me this morning and said, I felt off with you this morning. Are we good? Just something that simple. Mm-hmm. And I was able to say, I, uh, every, every Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I take my son to Waffle House. He's 13, so we've had this ritual where we go to breakfast and we get something ridiculous and we talk and talk and talk. It's been really magical. And um, I got it from the great um, Pastor John Tyson, I think, out of New York, um, that idea. But I said, yes, I was just working really hard to be on time, and I was focused, and I'm sorry. Right. So instead of her ginning up a story in her head about, oh, he hates me and this and that, and me going, I can't believe – she just sent that note real quick, and then we're good. 
Now, yeah. now we're both on the yeah. same page. We're great. We're moving on. So choosing reality is the starting line for your path forward. Now, you mentioned this whole thing about taking a time and a- asking yourself these questions about reality. I personally find out that I'm, I'm more clear to do that when I first wake up in the morning. Is that what you find as well? Yeah, absolutely. Once you, I mean, and there's some great neuroscience behind this, but once you flip open your smartphone, and whether it's your work email or whatever tabloid news show you watch or social media, once your body starts getting yelled at by all these other voices, it's off to the races. Mm-hmm. And so there, it, it, it can't, um, biologically, it can't spend time on reflection because it's trying to protect you from right. this point forward. Um, I'll also say this. When I'm in a season of stress at work, right, there's, every job has stress. Stressful seasons, stressful weeks, stressful events, right? When I'm in those seasons or every relationship has moments when it gets strained. When I'm in those moments, I am somebody who, and I wish this wasn't the case, I'm a proud, tall Texas male who played Texas high school football, and I was a college athlete. But here's the reality. I, my emotions are not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. My feelings aren't trustworthy. My reflections aren't trustworthy. It's everybody else's fault. It's their fault. If they would do this, if they would do that. And so what I have learned that when I'm choosing reality, I often will go sit with a counselor or I've got three or four men that I meet with regularly. We sit down and I put this on the table and say, hey, I trust y'all. Am I looking at this right? And sometimes they're like, absolutely, man. And sometimes one of my buddies who I love, he'll say, man, you are way, way off. This one's all on you. And so I know that when I get fired up, I'm not trustworthy in that way. My emotions just aren't. So I bring in other people. And I think that's a cornerstone of relationships. I, I agree. The Bible talks about in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And that's yeah. what we need. We need people. It's amazing to me when I talk to men, and you've described it so well earlier, when you talked about that this culture has made us to be the most lonely people in the world right now, even though we're connected. We've talked about this on this program many times. We have all of these Facebook friends and all of these social media contacts. And yet for all of them, and as much as we're in contact with them, it's all a virtual thing. It's not a reality thing. And there's a big difference in those two things. Yeah, there's a I mean, I wish it was woo-woo, but it's just not. It is it is basic physiology 101. Your body co-regulates itself by other bodies in its presence. Think of it, think of it this way. Here's just a very simple uh, way to think of it. Until about 25 or 30 years ago, the idea that you could listen in on a conversation between two men, you and I, you had to be in that room. Mm-hmm. From that moment back, all the way to the beginning of human history, when people had conversations. That's right. And now people can be driving their kids somewhere with headphones in and eat, be a part of this conversation, but not. And you've probably experienced this too. People will come up to me in a restaurant in a strange city, and they will sit down at my table and ask me about my daughter. And I hit my whole body goes, we're going out in the parking lot right now. <laughs> like, you don't talk about my daughter, except their body, quote unquote, knows me. They've yeah, heard me talk yeah. about my kids. They've heard me talk about where I grew up, what I think about things, the things I think are funny, um, the things that make me angry. And so their body says, hey, we, we're in relationship with this person, but we've never been in the same room. Right. And so you're exactly right. We have these text messages. We have these great phone calls, and our bodies are screaming at us, you're not safe, you're not safe, because it doesn't have physical presence in its immediate space. Wow. And it, it, even these homes that we've, we've, we've bought, if you go back and look at biblical homes, they were not 4,000 square feet, four bedrooms, three baths. They just weren't. They weren't 2,500 square feet. They were very small, and they were packed with aunts and uncles and cousins and whoever else. And so this idea that everybody gets their own bedroom and it's, it's you know, 1,000 square feet away, trust me, I love not sharing a room with my 13-year-old son. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and um, there may be something biologically that it, that that's unnatural to us. We're not it's not designed. That's right. Dr. John Deloney is my guest and he has written this incredible book, Building a Non-Anxious Life. We'll be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? 
Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me, a voice that you've heard on The Ramsey Show. He is a co-host with Dave Ramsey and part of that organization. And you might have heard Dave talk about not only when they were together, but in some commercials that uh, has been a part of that program. Uh, Dr. John Deloney has written a book called Building a Non-Anxious Life, and it's already a number one national bestseller. And I can see why, because it is so well laid out. It is so well written. And friends, here's the real big deal. It is right up the alley of what we all need to hear. It's an answer that uh, I think a lot of people are looking for. They just don't know that they're looking for it, number one. And number two, if they ever learn they need to find that answer, they often don't know where or how to begin the search to find these answers, and yet they're right here. And the first uh, of the six daily choices that we talked about was reality. Now, before we get to the second one, I would like to pause just for a second and tell me how it was that your connection, which is what we're going to be going into, uh, how did that happen with Dave Ramsey? It is one of those stories that makes my friends I've met over the last few years in the radio and podcasting world. It makes them just want to whap me upside the head. Um, I had dedicated my life to not being on the Internet. Um, I was a dean of students at universities, and I was working uh, moonlighting with the police department, doing crisis work, and um, and that was just showing up and helping them with death notifications and really gnarly stuff in the middle of the night, but I was just a mental health guy that was spent my life sitting behind closed doors with hurting people and figuring out what to do next. And um, I also wanted to be a rock guitarist since I was about 12, and that that didn't pan out. And so uh, I I was a dean of students at my dream college. I'd got my dream job. My wife and I were long time, I mean, all the time Texas residents, and we just left um, Texas and moved to Nashville. And I was speaking to a group of parents and students, about a thousand people in this really beautiful theater on the Belmont University campus. Mm-hmm. And in that audience was Dave Ramsey's executive vice president, Suzanne, and she was dropping her daughter off. And I was pretty direct with moms and dads, and I was pretty direct with college students that day. And um, she said she pointed her finger at me and said, I'm going to hire that guy. Wow. And um, Dave was, you know, he tells folks, I, I've been telling people for 30 years, you need to go see somebody, and I finally just hired my own. And so they were looking for somebody to broaden the conversation beyond money and to begin to get into that life stuff that Dave has been talking about for 30 years. Yeah. And um, I decided to take the craziest risk of my life and leave my dream job and the career I've been working for for 20 years. And as my 12-year-old, my 13-year-old, he's 13 now, he says, Dad, you're not that impressive. You're just a YouTuber. So that's where we are now, man. <laughs> But it was literally, I was just doing a talk, and somebody said, I'm going to hire that guy. And I had an 18-month ramp-up plan. I'd never been on radio. I didn't know anything about how it worked or anything. And then COVID happened. And in classic Dave Ramsey form, he looked at me and said, I hired you to help hurting people, and everybody's hurting, so we're going to figure it out on the air. And so my first time I was ever on the radio was in front of 10-plus million people, and we've just never looked back. That's right. I mean, every time, and what a platform you have. And oh, it's just crazy to realize, I mean, the people that call in, uh, we're so honored to be able to have you on. And, and one of the first uh, opportunities that I really had to kind of immerse myself in this program as we are now hosting it here in Orlando and also in Gainesville and in Ocala and the Villages uh, that was was uh, your stint, and I know that you from time to time go back on. And uh, boy, Dave has been hitting this book because it just came out, right? Um, it's it's in pre-sale now, and it will be out um, October third is when it hits the streets and will be in all the stores. But 
Yeah, it's breaking all of our internal records. It's doing pretty well. And yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just, I don't think it's because it's the best book in the world. I think that, man, like, look, everybody um, knows this these two facts to be true. There are more people right now than ever before in human history under the care of what we call a licensed mental health professional. Mm-hmm. And there's more people than ever before in human history medicated for some sort of mental health disorder. And the um, fewer people in um, religious services than in recorded human history. So we've got these things happening all at the same time. And yet, our anxiety and depression is continuing to be a vertical line straight up like a rocket ship. Wow. And so we have to ask ourselves this terrifying question. Terrifying for me as a mental health guy, what if what we're doing is not working? And I think we all feel this. And I think even over the last three years, to be honest, our hate and our rage and our being angry all the time, what has that got us? It got us strokes and heart attacks. It didn't yeah. solve problems. Yeah. And so we find ourselves completely completely burned out or stressed out or anxious and anxious. And if it's not us, we're married to someone who is, right? Or our kids are coming home from school feeling that way. And the traditional, you need to do this and doing this and being lectured at just simply isn't cutting anymore. And so I think everybody is looking for, hey, wait a minute, what if I'm not broken? What if I'm not just a diagnostic and I'm not just a label? But what happens if my body's working right? What do I have to do now? And so this book is just a roadmap, man, just from – and by the way, <laughs> about halfway through this book, and I wrote about it at the end, my wife and I had um, – I wouldn't call it an altercation, but she came and gave me um, – it was you know, truth time. And I went and checked myself into a hotel, and it was really, it was really devastating for me that the guy who was writing um, a follow-up to a number one bestseller was writing a follow-up – writing a book on anxiety – and I, his wife called him out in the in their little home gym in the basement. You're the most anxious guy I know. You're not living these things out. Mm, and so this book is definitely not me lecturing you. This is uh, this book is me grabbing a seat on the pew next to you and saying, "Hey, man, me too. Let's figure this out." And now I just so appreciate that about you because you didn't have to share that. You didn't have to let us know that this is something that you have to put as a work in progress. I think that deals going, that goes back to what we dealt with in the last uh, segment about reality. And yet I think that's what is the, the valuable part about this. This is something that is not only good, but it is something that is real for you as the writer, the author as well. And man, thank you for being real with us, even on this program like that. Well, you bet. And, and I've, I've seen the spectrum. I grew up in the home of a police officer and who became a minister. And my mom had grown up in a faith tradition that, that greatly discouraged her from going to college. And she took her first community college class at the age of 42 and ended up graduating with her PhD at 57 and got wow. tenured at a, at a nationally renowned university at, at 63 and just finished her last summer at Oxford in her 70s. So I, I grew up in these homes where, especially at the beginning, we had nothing. And um, there was these seasons where my dad would put his debit card in the machine knowing there was no money in that account, but he had kids that he had to give groceries to, right? And so I saw this public service, this police officer, this minister life, and this financial struggles in our home, and I said, I want none of that. Mm-hmm. And so I chased money, and I chased titles, mm-hmm. and I, I got two PhDs, man, not because I'm super smart, but because I tell you what, I'm going to prove to you that I'm the smartest guy and that I am, deser- I de- am deserving of all this stuff. And then I went to work for Dave, and my financial fe- – like Dave is so generous with how he takes care of his employees. And, you know, on the back of a number one book, my wife and I had a year last year that none of our families could have wrapped their head around. And I was more anxious than I'd been in a decade. Yeah. And I was lonelier than I'd been in a decade. And it was I, I realized I'd become a cliche. You can't earn your way to peace. You can't achieve your way to peace. And the moment somebody gives you that accolade, that certificate on your wall, your brain is immediately searching for the next one. It doesn't, it doesn't have a switch for enough especially in our culture. And so, man, it was, it was me unplugging from the matrix. I had just plugged myself directly into and said, Hey, we, I, I have to lead the way here. We got to do something different. This is not, this is not sustainable. It's not yeah. working. 
You know, this whole concept that you're describing right there, where here you are, you're writing the book, you've got more direct experience than most people would ever imagine about anxiety. You've seen the results of it inside of people. You're writing a book to help people get out of it, and yet you're finding yourself immersed more in it than ever. You know, that seems to translate over to other areas like healthcare, for example. And you mentioned in the first part of the this conversation about COVID. And I think back to the conversations where we were kind of lectured every night about what we need to do as a country. And that in itself has been one of the biggest anxiety causers. Wouldn't you agree uh, that any of us have lived through right now is this whole COVID mess. That's really been terrible. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it, um, I, th- I think we're wrestling with the moment in history that we're not accustomed to. I mean, that we've never had to deal with. And right. that is, we don't trust teachers anymore. That's right. We don't trust faith leaders anymore. We don't trust doctors anymore. We had faith leaders sign up, got in line with politicians, not with the Word of God. We had we had um, medical doctors get in line with politicians, not with what the data was telling them right in front of their very eyes. Not in we not had, in line with science, like they said they right, were doing. Right, with scientists. That's right. And we had we had educational professionals that were more in line with their unions and with their. Um, political partners than with these kids that we've entrusted them with. Yeah. And so we don't have a roadmap for a culture that doesn't trust its education system and doesn't trust its faith systems and doesn't trust its political system. That's a recipe for anarchy, man. And I think our bodies feel that. Yeah. And well, so I'm committed it, it, with, with all I've got. And I'm just, dude, I am one guy with a podcast and a radio show. Um, I'm committed with all I have after sitting with countless people over the last two decades. You do not have to wait until things are in ash before you change. You don't. That's a choice you make. That's a choice you make in your marriage. That's a choice you make when you start asking hard questions about the faith you grew up with versus the faith you experience as an adult. That's, that, that's your relationship with your children. That's your, as you start to you know, return that text to that woman you're not married to because it makes you feel alive. There's always a moment to stop. And I think as a culture, if we just look around and say, hey, the, me getting louder, me getting on social media more, me eating more pizza, me exercising less, me getting more and more distant from my spouse, all these things mean getting madder and madder and just and living on the news. At some point, we can say, hey, okay, that's not working. Let's do something else. Yeah. And that's my call here, man, is we have a choice before this thing completely falls over on itself. We have a choice to say, hey, I'm going to go back to the old roads, as, as the great Christian writer Andrew Peterson says. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love him. We are going to um, we're going to go back to some ancient wisdom here because that's, the, the path is before us, and we can choose to take that one, too. Oh, that's great. Now I got to ask: Are you quoting from *Light of the Lost Boy*? Yeah, it's it's one of the my uh, masterpiece records in my collection here. And I and listen, I'm an old punk rock heavy metal guy, and so my CD case looks very strange. Oh my goodness! But um, he is a uh, he is a savant poet. He's one of the greatest writers I, I, of our of my generation, and um, I'm lucky to know him here in Nashville. But man, he is a very very special individual. Unbelievable. You know, I've got that CD in my car. Believe it or not, I do have a CD and I have a CD player because I drive an old car that's paid for. That's why. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) And it's great. But the the song Day by Day, the song, I mean, the whole thing was written, uh, obviously, in as he's looking back on on the, the fragility of youth. And how that the book, The Yearling, played a big role in his writing that project. And the songs from it are different. That's what I love about them. They're all different, aren't they? That I think the Light for the Lost Boy is is his choose reality moment. Yeah. And most of us, when we choose reality, our bodies would fail us if it didn't send us into some sort of depressive season. Some sort of season. That's the Psalms, right? It's this, it's this season of lament. My enemies are coming for me. Yeah. My kid's going to experience heartbreak. Somebody's going to break my kid's heart. I have a seven-year-old daughter. And I'm not above fighting an eight-year-old in the parking lot, right? I mean, so, like, somebody's going to hurt my daughter's feelings. Somebody's going to say something that devastates her. Somebody's going to say something to my son, like happened to me. I still have stamped into my soul 
um, the conversation I had when I was 16 with the prettiest girl I could have ever been on a date with. And we dated for a while, and she one day looked at me, and she was holding my hand. And she looked up at me and said, you would be so, so good looking if your teeth weren't so yellow. <laughs> I noticed last year, I take photos for a living, and that's what I do. That every to this day, I still I still smile with my mouth closed, oh my. and so somebody's going to do that to my son. And also, there's good and light in the world too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so there is the season of lament. There's the season of reality. This is the reality before us, and so I can either curl up in a ball or, um, as Andrew ends that record. Or I can thank God for this, yeah, and I can look for God's people, and I can head forward on those old roads. And I love that's it. We got to go. That's where we got to go. And, and the, the cut three on that track, probably my favorite. Rest easy on the, in this journey that we're walking. How good is it to know that if you know God, the the greatest needs, the greatest problems that you could ever face in your life, they've been taken care of by another. He's already chosen. He's already loves us. He's already accepted us. And that's what, that really helps a whole lot, man. And uh, so friends, just in enough of this commercial, uh, you just go out and get Andrew Peterson's Light for the <laughs> yeah, Lost Boy. Uh, you'll love it. And you can thank John and me afterwards. How about that? Uh, there we go. All right, let's go back before our, the uh, next break that's looming ahead here. Connection. Uh, that is, I, you quote another song in the beginning of that chapter, Stand By Me. I loved it. So, <laughs> it's so. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's just as simple as there's some, you, you can go um, do all the breathing exercises, and, and I hope this isn't controversial for your audience, but you can go to all the Bible studies by yourself. You can do all of the scriptural journaling exercises by yourself in the morning. You can do all of anything you think you're, you're doing for your spiritual and mental and emotional health. But we were designed to be with other people. That's right. And so none of this works in isolation. There's a reason God created the church. He didn't create pods for us to all climb into and zip ourselves inside. And there's, there is healing, and this is out of the scientific neuroscience grief literature. There is something about sitting with somebody else and saying it out loud that is that your body begins to heal. We are not designed to hold all this stuff here. And so you have to choose connection. And in the most um, isolated, lonely generation in human history, this is an act of defiance. This is an act of revolution to not clean your house up every week, but to decide we're going to have four or five people over to our house. And you know that that neighbor votes weird. You knew. Mm-hmm. And you know that this neighbor's got one kid that's just, good God. And you, and you know these things. And you choose connection anyway. That's you right. You choose connection over being right. You choose connection over being comfortable up front. You choose connection over um, like a duck, right? Everything looks so placid on top of the water, but you're just kicking your feet, churning, 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 trying to make everything okay under, under the water. You choose connection above almost everything else. And your body will go into a season of, whew, finally, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at peace. Somebody's watching the kids while somebody's out getting food, while somebody's protecting the tribe. That's how we are wired. That's how we are designed and created. You cannot have emotional mental health by yourself, period. And for many millions of people, um, the data tells me they have zero people to call in the middle of the night for an emergency. Seven out of ten folks, we did a survey here at a Ramsey Solution. Seven out of ten married people says my spouse doesn't truly know what I'm experiencing. Hold that thought right there, Dr. Deloney. My guest is Dr. John Deloney. We'll be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. On the line with me, John Deloney. Dr. John Deloney is with The Ramsey Show and he is now employed by them uh, he has years of experience in mental health care and 
He is uh, just one of the most knowledgeable people. Two PhDs, by the way. That's pretty impressive, sir. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I know that you weren't sharing that for accolades, but I mean, still, uh, it doesn't come every day that you get to talk to somebody with two PhDs. That's nuts. You've, you're one of those people with, you've got all of the alphabet behind your name, right? Right. It's, it's when uh, one of my counseling professors looked at me once and said, Hey, you know, straight A's can be a trauma response (laughs) that some kids get into drugs and some kids run away and some kids make perfect scores on things so that um, everybody around them thinks that they're safe and they're okay. And I thought, ooh, busted, right? So, yeah, um, I put um, my adventures in school right up there next to somebody who's struggling with substance abuse. And we can both say, yeah, me too. I love it. Well, you know what? It's it's not like what I've heard about other people who were becoming what was called professional students, but not able to really ever do anything past being in school. That is not you. And you've taken what you've learned. And man, you might be one of the most uh, busy and and industrious people with those degrees that I've ever met. And I do mean that sincerely. I appreciate what you're doing. And I think that's greatly why the Ramsey show saw you and wanted you to be part of their organization. Cause I think you got the goods, my friend, and this book is going to be great. Now the book that we've been referring to is called building a non anxious life. It's about ready to uh, come out. It's going to come out in October. You said, right? Yes, sir. It'll be out on, on the street and all the stores and everywhere October 3rd. And it's in, it's in pre-sale um, up until then. And if you know anything about writing books, pre-sales is really important for the author and for the publisher, for everybody. And so we bribe you. And so if you, if you buy it before October 3rd, it comes with all kind of free gifts and things like that. Well, then it's being pushed too by the Ramsey show. So that's not a bad marketing plan that you've got going on for you right there on this book. It is really, really great. I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, chapter six opens up again. We've been talking, we won't make it all the way through these choices, but boy, are each one of them, it carries a punch. I would say each one of them is going to be worth the cost of the book, friend, any one of them. And this last one that we'll, we'll deal with here in this segment uh, as we'll uh, kind of round out our program today is on freedom. Now, there's a word. I, I hear that word, and I think of uh, instantly, I think of two things. I think of the Bible where it talks about he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And then I think about Mel Gibson calling out freedom. <laughs> in the great movie that he was a part of. So tell tell us about why and how it is that we can choose freedom. So, again, going back to this culture that we've created, we, we're told that if you are anxious, if you are experiencing burnout or chronic stress, we are not told that, hey, that's your body letting you know that things are out of whack. What we're told is, hey, you're broken. There's something wrong with you. You have a diagnosis that a medical professional has to give you. And because of that, somebody has to come in and fix you. You're never going to make enough money because of fill in the blank, because you grew up in poverty, because you were the wrong color in the wrong community, because fill in the blank, you are always going to be the worst thing that happened to you. If you were a child of abuse, that's just going to be you, and someone's got to come rescue you. You're always going to be less than. And so if you begin to peel back the cataract over our culture, it is designed to tell us that we are less than and that somebody has to come fix you. Somebody has to come get you. You'll never be able to afford a car on your own. And by the way, you don't just deserve a car that gets you to and from work. You deserve a car that is luxurious beyond anyone's wildest imagination as, as, as little as 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I've got technology in my Toyota Highlander that would have been in the most expensive Lexus and BMW just a few years ago because you deserve, right? That's our culture. And so what I want people to do, when your body senses you do not have autonomy, that's a nerd word for when your body realizes you are in the back seat of your own life and somebody else is driving, it recognizes that is not safe and it will sound the alarms. It will make you anxious. It would be failing you if it didn't wake you up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And so what I want people to do when I say choose freedom 
I want you to look at the places in your life where you have outsourced part of your life to somebody else. Is the bank telling you what to do tomorrow at work, or are you? Does Toyota Motor Company run your life because you owe two cars? Does your mortgage company, fill in the blank, right? Does your student loan service provider tell you that, hey, sorry, I know that you're stressed and you have a very abusive boss, but you got to go tomorrow because you owe me. Your body won't let you rest until you're free. Yeah. And then if you if we move one step over, how many of us still have our holidays dictated by our mother-in-law or by some political party or by, you know, that one friend that's like, "Hey, we're all going out on Monday. Hey, me and my wife are trying to get out of debt." Oh, so you're just not going to right? And so now we're going out and spending money we don't have doing something we don't want to do to impress somebody we're kind of frustrated with. Mm-hmm. And so our brain tells us you're not safe, you're not safe. And what that looks like is elevated heart rate. What that looks like is snapping at loved ones. It looks like somebody cuts you off in traffic and you just get enraged. Mm-hmm. Or the one that gets my blood boiling is the the dad or the mom that just unloads on the 16-year-old kid who's umpiring the Little League game. Mm-hmm. He's working a Saturday job, making $7 an hour, wearing the way too big outfit. And mothers and fathers are screaming at that kid. About yeah. balls and strikes and outs and safe, and their kid is nine, right? That isn't um, – that's a sign that your body has is over the limit. That's yep. not a problem with the referee. That's a problem with you. And so what I want people to do is begin to unhook themselves or maybe their calendar. How many of us live lives with our calendars are so tight? If one kid throws up, everything is off. If one kid loses your car key, or if one spouse gets a cold, the whole month falls over. This is about freedom. This is about waking up every day and looking at your husband or wife and saying, how can I love you today? And actually being able to do something about their answer. It's about having some space with your kids, honoring your body by being bored, honoring your body by saying, hey, kids, we're not doing travel sports anymore. I'm not going to pay $5,000 and drive nine hours for a nine-year-old boy soccer game. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather spend time as a family kicking the soccer ball in our front yard or going hiking or just throwing water balloons at each other for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah. Those are stories. They're not going to tell the soccer stories at your funeral. They will tell the time you showed up with a, bo- a, bo- a thing of water balloons and you all just bombed each other in the front porch. right? And so this is a total reframe of our life. And everything in our culture says, let the soccer coach tell you what to do. Even let that well-meaning youth minister that plans 17 things a week tell you what to do. Let your boss live your life for you. Let the bank live your life for you. This is about you getting back in the driver's seat of your own life. Yeah. And as Scripture says, the borrower is slave to the lender. We don't like that language because it evokes some really horrific imagery, and I think it's important. When you sign up for a 30-year mortgage, the bank owns you, period, and your body knows it. It would fail you if it let you have deep, intimate relationships in the middle of a war. It would fail you if it let you fully rest at a meal with your family and be present. It would be failing you because it knows you're at war. And so choosing freedom is going through your life piece by piece by piece and saying, where am I beholden to somebody or something or some institution and how can I work towards freedom in that area? I love it. One of the things that you talk about in this uh, chapter is boundaries and the role that they play. And you make a quote here, a discussion on boundaries is worthy of its own book. And that would be true. I mean, you think about the whole issue, but that's part of the problem in America is that we've crossed so many boundaries that we should never have crossed. And I think we've forgotten the fact that there is an actual benefit in our life when we do have boundaries. And that doesn't mean that we're not free. I mean, the right boundaries, I believe, is what gives us that freedom. Isn't that right? Yeah. And and that's, I mean, again, I keep kind of bagging on culture in this in this call today. And culture's not all bad, right? But our culture has told us that rules are the things to fight, that any sort of objectivity is a fight. It's all, what do you feel? Even something as insane as the phrase, your truth. What is your truth? That's not a thing, right? And, and our bodies crave boundaries. We crave the, the rails so we know how fast we can go and in what direction we can go. And when you pull all the boundaries off, 
Mike, I got I got four hundred and seventy five thousand quote unquote friends on Instagram. Wow. I have people reach out to me <laughs> and ask me a long question, and then if I don't respond within twelve hours, they'll say, "Oh, seriously, you're not going to respond." I don't know you. I didn't. I, I'm not. I didn't. I. I didn't hire you. You didn't hire me. I don't yeah. know you. Yet my body responds as though I've betrayed somebody. Mm-hmm. That's madness. It's madness. Yeah. And so its boundaries are, I don't open social media before I go to work. And it's a tool. It's on a separate phone. And now I don't always stick to that, but it is on a separate phone. I don't have social media on my regular phone. And I don't answer deep, like hard mental or emotional health questions on Instagram because it's reductionistic and it doesn't give the nuance that that kind of question. People, when they ask those questions, they need a human being to look them in the eye and say, I hear you. Not four points to a better whatever, right? Yeah. So I have to create those boundaries. I have to create boundaries when I leave work. I have to create boundaries um, when I tell my kids, hey, you get one instrument thing and one athletic thing, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I have to implement boundaries every September. This is going to sound crazy. Every September, my wife and I send an email out to both sides of our family saying, here is what we are going to do for Christmas. Given our travel schedule, given John's you know, media schedule, all this stuff, this is what we are going to do because this is what's best for our family. If you all want to be a part of that, we would love you to join us. Wow. But we are not going to be beholden to somebody who calls us on December 23rd and says, hey, we're all getting together on Christmas and we can't make it. Oh, you ungrateful. I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing that game because it's not what's best for our family. And quite honestly, I'm going to resent you the whole time I'm there, and it would be a disservice to you too. So we create these boundaries, and inside those boundaries, we can be rambunctious and reckless and insane. When I have my – I have a problem, my wife says, with buying guitars. Oh, and, man. That's why I like you so much already, man. We're, we got we got to have another show on guitars, man. Man, all day. But, but I budget for it. And when I have a budget for it and I save up and I save up, I can buy whatever I want. I yeah. can spend forever at the guitar center just going back and forth <laughs> and calling a friend and getting on reverb and doing all this stuff. I can do all that because that money is earmarked. By yeah. That's what it's for, right? Yeah. And it's not at the expense of groceries or giving or anything else like that. So anyway, boundaries are the key to freedom. And it sounds paradoxical, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Dr. John Deloney's new book will be coming out in just a few weeks. You can pre-order it, and I'm sure you can do that on a all of the usual websites, and also, uh, I guess, through the Ramsey uh, website as well. And this book is amazing. I have a pre, it's an advanced reader's copy is what it's called, a pre-release book, and I'm loving it. And friends, you must get this. Uh, We covered only three of the six choices that you will be making, whether you realize it or not. You need to make the right choices. Dr. Deloney, I've got to have you back on my program in a, a couple of months, if that's okay. And we, we'll touch maybe some of these other issues from this book, plus catch in on how things are going with you and with the book itself. Would that be okay? Yeah, I, anytime I'm, I'm here for you, and I'm, I'm really grateful for your hospitality. And wow. uh, your listeners can go to johndeloney.com or ramseysolutions.com, and the book's right there. It's 20 bucks, And like I said, we'll bribe you up until the, the release date to, to buy it early with a bunch of free gifts. I love it. Dr. John Deloney, thanks for being with me today. And friends, thanks for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 